Welcome to Tales of Wales, the exceptional, engrossing and enlightening podcast that delves into the enchanting and ethereal history of Wales. Our aim is to explore the enduring and eclectic stories that have shaped this ancient and enduring land, with the epic battles of the early Celts to the struggles of independence in more recent times. In each episode, we will invite you to embark on an exciting and enthralling journey through Wales, delving deep into the fascinating past and uncovering the extraordinary events and extraordinary characters that made it one of the most unique and remarkable countries in the world. So sit back, relax, and get ready to be enchanted by Tales for Wales. Fucking hell. Now. That that was fucking boom, 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 (laughs) boom. You're hitting all your marks there. That that was written by my little friend, ChatGDPG. I was just about to say, I said, don't (laughs) be wrong, I I rate your writing, mate, but I was saying, fucking hell, he's not that good. He cannot be that good. You might have noticed a lot of E there. I said, I asked ChatGDP, can you write a Welsh history podcast intro uh, that uses adjectives beginning with E? Because, you know, we always do our enduring and long, long. Oh, life. yes. Oh, uh, but, nice. But they did, he did say, uh, in, I think he used the same E quite a few times. So he said, uh, uh, explore the enduring and eclectic stories of this ancient and enduring land. Double use of enduring. We would oh, never do that. Stupid fucking robot. Fucking like, so fucking I do, I keep thick, saying. they? I keep saying please, and I say thank you every time you use it, because I always think if it becomes <laughs> like case. our overlord, he'll be like, oh, you're one of the good <laughs> yeah. guys. So I'm not You don't want to fucking, rat. yeah. You'll be last on the fucking chopping board when, <laughs> yeah. when chat GTP. Or G, think, wasn't G, GPT? Chat GPT, yeah. GPT. When reckon? he takes over, you'll be fine. There's two theories, that it will take over and, and destroy humanity, or it will take over and look after humanity like we're pets. So, like, you know how we look after our dogs? That G- chat mm. GPT will just do that for us. Or My like, uh, fucking AI dogs have a great life. I'd That's fucking I mean. take that. Yeah. I'd happily have to be an under. Oh, sorry. Board. Have <laughs> the robots work for money while I just fucking get fed. And, yeah. you know, if something goes wrong with me, take me to the docks, pay for it all. Yeah, thanks very much. So that's what I think, yeah. So that'd be classic. happened. I'd happily be some little pet for some. I love that. Oh, you know, the robots could take over. Oh, my God, that'd be Good. class. <laughs> I can't <laughs> wait for brilliant. it. <laughs> No, definitely. It's much more likely that they'll go, man, you lot of fucking dog shit are like looking after the place. Let's just yeah. kill you. And, what are they going to do? Yeah, we'll, we have we'll do a bad done. job. We work all the time. We fucking, everyone's in debt. The, the, the climate change is going to kill the world. All this stuff. Like, surely the computers would be better, more responsible than us. I'd like to think the computer wouldn't go, oh, should we invent a credit score? Oh, fuck <laughs> off, mate. Yeah. Um, what are you drinking? Uh, I'm on the Stellas, mate, the Yuri Gellers at the moment. Oh, I've got a couple more of them. Cool. And I brought up a what was reminiscent of my bottle of lambs from the other night with this. Oh, yeah. I I, I think I probably just went off. Did I? You yeah, were very close to. Yeah. Um, I, I bought a bottle. I'm trying to be healthier, so I bought a bottle of uh, Smirnoff tonight because I assume that's lower Oh, calories. nice, yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> just enjoying your drink a little bit less than if you were, <laughs> you yeah, were uh, having spice rum for minimal calorie than, loss. It's got to be lower the calories than spice rum, isn't it? It's got to be. I think it is, but I don't, I don't think it's by a huge margin. Mm. Okay, I think it's probably like, it depends. I think it's, they're all based on like how much calories is in a, you know, a Smirnoff or a, a Lambs or whatever, a spice rum. So, it's all based off doing measures, and we never do measures. We just do it freehand, don't we? So. I, I would assume I'll do a bowl. <laughs> just do a bowl. So. Oh, yeah, it must be less. Because oh, spice rum is sugary, isn't it? Fuck's sake, it's more calories than fucking vodka. 
Oh, oh is there? <laughs> yeah. No way. It's 56 calories in a bottle of Smirnoff Classic uh, per 25 milliliters. So 20, per shot is 56 calories. For fucking Captain Morgan right. Ice Rum is 50. Fucking hell, I, that is, that's mind-blowing to me, because I assumed, like, Spice Rum would have loads, because it's, it's sugary, sugary, isn't it? It's like syrup. Yeah. Oh, that is... Oh, well, this just is done yourself, mate. 21. Is that Classic Vodka 21? Oh, I have, I have been duped by the fucking... <laughs> the Ruskies have fucking had you, mate. <laughs> They've had me. <laughs> hang on, hang on here. No, yeah, that is the right one. You fucking Ruskies. Oh, I can't even <sighs> say it, like... You might tell I've got a fucking right. cold. I've been up in London, uh, up to London, don't I, for work. So, mm. And I always get a bit fucking nasally after. You've been mixing with a metropolitan area. Yeah, with the metropolitan Never leave the fields of Wales, mate, that's what I say. Uh, I am having a car lane. Carlsberg, though, beforehand. I am generally mm. pissed off that my fucking... <laughs> Because I'll probably drink a lot of it, so those little carnies add up. You've uh, fallen for Putin's propaganda, mate. Yeah, no. Rah, 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 Putin. <laughs> I love that song. <laughs> you, think, you think what's going on in Ukraine's bad? Fucking hell. Yeah, the, the war is waging on, on your waistline is fucking. <laughs> is Jesus. <laughs> I mean, that was a. My stomach is doing a far less courageous battle than the Ukrainians are. My my stomach <laughs> flew the white flag. Do, do you think? Uh, do you think that is that your opinion on the the, <laughs> yeah. the the situation? It gave less of a resistance than those guys in uh, Maripol. My old tum tum. <laughs> <laughs> oh god. Um, so oh yeah, <laughs> that was a bad noise. <laughs> <laughs> right then um, I was going to say to you uh, I was speaking to Ollie on the weekend our friend and mm. friend of the pod um, and I told him that I have two friend pieces. of the establishment as well <laughs> yeah, yeah he is the, the hoi polloi that he is um, I said yeah. to him I've got two rules on life that we're discussing like our, our friendship together and uh uh, and uh, one time he came over to, from from Reading down to Cardiff. We had a massive night out, and the next day we were hanging. And if you're hanging, like in your ordering food, the only thing that's decent open in like the daytime is probably going to be like a Mackey's or a Domino's or yeah. something like that. Uh, he ordered a Chinese at like half twelve. Jesus, a, su- a succulent Chinese meal at half twelve. Yeah, and I uh, I, I think we're open till that. Wow, well, this time. is my thing. Never order from a Chinese that's open at midday. So like no. my my rule for life is always I only ever order a Chinese like, that opens from like half five onwards and I think that will stand you in good stead. And uh, yeah. when it arrived, he because he's on it, he ordered like a huge amount of food and he ordered like uh, crispy two crispy beefs like hoisting oh, uh, duck, duck and hoisting sauce all this stuff and it was just grey mm. matter just slop on a plate and, uh, <laughs> <laughs> and he was, we were both really hungover and we were talking to each other for a bit and I think I either bowed out of the conversation or he, something happened I went eat your beef <laughs> just point it like, eat your beef mate come on get it down shut up and eat your beef and <laughs> done with this now yeah. and that became like a uh, our code word for if there's like a lull in the conversation or we go quiet go, eat your beef go on <laughs> I'm a bit down yeah and uh, I forgot we, we didn't speak about that for about like maybe nine months and then uh, for Christmas he got me M&M's with a laser printed on them uh, the words eat your beef 
<laughs> that is absolute dedication to the joke. I know it's mad. So when Emma and me were open on Christmas Day, it was like a, it said like Franks. It said uh, Ollie, <laughs> eat your beef. Jesus Christ, that boy's got more money than sense. I know. <laughs> yeah. I, and then uh, my other rule for life is never buy budget cola. And I know you yeah. do not adhere to my advice. Yeah, frequent flouter of that rule. I, I, I hate budget cola. No, yeah, I always know when, uh, well, you always know rather when, you know, if I accidentally mix your rum with some of my fucking budget cola, then you're, you're instantly going, you're like, your face horrible. just tells me everything I need to know. You're like, what is this? What's this piss? It's yeah, it's mud water, it's <laughs> muck. Yeah, it's puddle water. What would your rule for life be if you were to give, like, pass down to the ages? Rule for life? Oh, God, put me on the spot, mate. I don't know. Um, let me think now. Uh, oh, never turn down a free drink. That's when my <laughs> granddad always taught me. <laughs> be more on the nose. <laughs> yeah. Play into type here. Also, who would turn down I a free know, drink? But- well, exactly, exactly. I, the fact that the rule needs even to be stated is uh, is actually shows how broken this country has become. But uh, <laughs> but um, yeah, no, I remember. Um, yeah, my granddad always used to say that. He used to say, uh, "Never turn down a free drink." And then his ne- they're all very drink centric. And then he said, "I never trust someone who doesn't drink." I don't quite agree with that one. <laughs> I kind of do, unless it's like. Yeah, I get where you, I, I I get where he's coming from because like, why can't you drink? Like, yeah. all right, medical reasons. Reasons. If you're religious or medical reasons, but anyone who's like turned down drink because it's always like, well, you must have been mad on the drink, so you've had to stop it. Which is well, like, that's what my granddad said because I said, why not? The first time he told this, he said, well, why, isn't it? Why aren't they drinking? And I was thinking that is a good question, and that's you know something I often ask myself: yeah. Why aren't I drinking? I know I'll have to stop one day. No, I will. That'll be the funniest nah, in the pub. We're fun. not like reckless. We, well, I mean, like we, you know, you do see the. the we love the sash. Yeah, I love the sash, but I'm an absolute binge drinker. I'll, uh, mm. I'll work all weekend and the weekend. Go well, Thursday comes. And yeah, that's when. <laughs> I treat it like I, I save up my drinking points. If I don't <laughs> yeah. do it for a few days, then I get to really like spend them. You know, it's great. Uh, we were say I was just about to say we uh, me and you constantly are bringing up that. Uh, excuse me, what's his name? Bert Crash Krishna Krishna Yeah, I'm not sure how to pronounce this in American comedian. There's a, um, I'm sure a lot of our listeners would have would have seen this, but uh, there's a like viral video of him going around talking about how much he loves drinking and like how. Uh, he'll always, always make sure he's he yeah uh, make sure he's always like healthy enough to have a drink because it's like the most satisfying thing in the world and he goes on about <laughs> it's this very impassioned speech oh my yeah. god does we'll it get it you in. in the mood for a beer oh yeah, yeah. i'll link it in because fuck me i will never quit drinking i will always make sure that i can keep my body healthy enough so that i can always drink i love seeing a sunrise with a cocktail seeing a sunset with a cocktail having friends walk into your house with a bottle of wine getting on a plane can i get you something double jack on the rocks lots of rocks i love the moment someone says hey we should get a drink and you and you're not supposed to that feeling it's like a first kiss you don't get that first kiss kisses when you're married you get to have those first drinks at a brunch someone goes should we do mimosas and then the waiter goes actually we have bottomless mimosas and you're like this is gonna be the best day ever 
every time I hear it, I have to actually actively avoid it in the week because when I hear it, I'm like, oh my God, I got over a pint. It galvanizes you, doesn't it? It's like, I just want to be with the lads for a drink. You said the other day because you, you um, did something very uncharacteristic of you of late, which is go on like a three day bender. Yeah. And um, you said that on like the second day when you were Steve Ruglin, you were. You put that on and you were like, I'm back, baby. I'm we, so we in went, now. Like. We went to Nottingham for the hockey and uh, for Cardiff Devils for the hockey. And I can't do two days of the trot. I'll have one biggie and then just cry the next day and eat food and hide <laughs> and call my girlfriend. But because it was for like a two day, I galvanized with that video. And then I was on the, I was on the like, Fanta ice blasts and I was pouring vodka into them. And I fucking, I was galvanized to, to oh, Betsy. And then the Monday, I was going home, and I was like, "Oh, I feel fine." And then, I, then, then Tuesday. So I kind of I had a drink, uh, watching Succession Monday night. Got a bit tipsy, a bit drunk. My God, did Tuesday remind me that I'm 32? Yeah, Jesus. It, it always does these days, yeah. mate. You, you think you it, when you get those like off days where you're like, "Oh my God, I feel okay. Like I can drink again. That's fine. Three days, yeah, no problem. Oh my God, I'm young, I'm young again." And then the next day, like you said, you get the three day like cumulative hangover then don't you and it's just like you dared fucking mock the god of death <laughs> i reckon uh we should crack on with this with this episode because you've got a few tales to tell us i got a few little arthurian legends Ooh. to uh to get on with yes so if uh, if that didn't give it away we're talking about king arthur today um he I, i'm assuming most of you know who he is uh or you know at least have heard of him or a few stories about him and his famous Knights of the Round Table. Uh, basically, he featured a lot in folklore and mythology from all over the British Isles, and it's been hotly debated, been a very hot topic uh, for a long time, whether or not he was an actual real person. So a few real-life people have been suggested as the sort of basis for the stories of King Arthur, including a uh, third-century Roman general, Lucius Artorius Castus, uh, a Ro- Romano, Rom- Romano, Ray British, Romano. Yeah. Ray Romano. We've done that joke, but it is still as good <laughs> as the first good. time. Uh, yeah, a Ray Romano. We've done a joke before. That's all premise <laughs> yeah. of this thing is history. Don't worry. There's, there's a few little notes I've made in that just rehashes of what we've done before. <laughs> so feel free to call me out for it. So yeah, uh, Romano, British war leader, Ambrosius Aurelianus. He's been mentioned before in the previous, uh, previous, uh, you know, Ambrosius. Ambrosius and Anus is in the second part, so that's funny. Yeah, exactly. So double bubble, two bites of the cherry, <laughs> love it. Uh, <laughs> and there's even a few Welsh boys uh, that may have been the inspiration. A guy named Owen Dant Gwyn, aka Owen the White Teeth, Ooh. love it. That would be Some quite pearls. the. Uh, that's some absolute pearly whites back in medieval times. So that's great. And a guy named Arthwys Ap Meirig, who was a king of, uh, and they were king of Gwynedd and Gwent, respectively. So it could be these guys. Some some historians sort of uh, put their necks on the line and say that maybe these were real people. But if you read all the King Arthur stories, they apparently span over like hundreds and hundreds of years. So he can't possibly have been around in for all that time. But, Welsh, but he's a Welsh. Well, this is the thing. So, they um, it kind of got adopted a lot by English Christians and things like that. That's what you know, like sword in the stone and shit like that. That is like an anglicized version of it. Arthur in sort of Celtic mythology was a bit different. Uh, any listeners who've listened to mythology part two, uh, the story of Culloch and Olwen, 
you know how everyone was like had superpowers in that oh yeah but yeah like, like with a lot of um, faiths and stuff though Christianity sort of had an influence on especially when they're the ones who were writing things down um, you know they sort of cut out all the fantastical elements a lot so yeah but in, uh, the earliest mentions of Arthur are actually in uh, old Celtic uh, prose and things like that so that's, our, prose, actually. that's our link to be able to talk about him on this Welsh so that's part. why we get a free pass to talk about anything Arthur because he was a Welsh <laughs> boy as far as I'm concerned yeah, through and through either or so whether myth history or a bit of both it was said that King Arthur drove the Saxons from Britain at the Battle of Baden after the Romans left in the 5th century the first definitive mention of King Arthur is said to be in the Historia Britonum, a.k.a. the History of Britons, which is, surprise, surprise, a, a written history of the Britonic people at the time, compiled by a Welsh monk in the 9th century. However, there is mention of Arthur in some earlier Welsh texts, such as a poem from the 7th century called Godothin, uh, which is a Welsh uh, manuscript. More on that later, I'll get back to that. Can I check? So, but... He drove the Saxons, not the Anglo-Saxons. So that's the. the it was big... he fought the Saxons. Yes, yeah. uh, he and also to the Anglo-Saxons. Aren't they? Ha- yes, that's right. So he also had a little bit. He had the occasional scrap of the Angles as well, who were kind of like a different faction. Um, but his predominant enemy was the Saxons. He was also known as like the Saxon Slayer. Yeah, and then later on in life. The Angles and the Saxons, the ones who settled, became the Anglo-Saxons who became the English. Yeah, they kind of merged into like sort of yeah. East England. And, I always think it's yeah, helpful to that Southern because it can be a bit yeah, definitely. So I yeah, I've done reading on this myself to, because I was confused as well. So the Saxons are kind of like sort of Germany, old Germany. Yeah. Angles are kind of like a little bit north of that, um, and they well, were separate factions at the time. <laughs> Yes. A little bit of this, <laughs> well, a little bit of that. Basically, I'm trying not to no, go over no, okay. don't, things, don't worry, don't bug yourself yeah. down. Google it, lads, if you care that much. Google it. If, you, if, you, yeah. like, if, you, if you're so fucking interested in, in history, why don't you listen to a podcast about it? Uh, yeah. Anyway, so even though uh, a lot of his most famous tales uh, came later, he sort of become synonymous with a more sort of English-centric version of Britain by now. Uh, he had strong ties to old Celtic folklore, as I said before. Um, and like I said, he's he's a homegrown Celtish lad for us. So that's why we get like Carl Blanche yeah. to just fucking do his stories on this. So I'll begin with uh, his name. So uh, the etymology of it uh, is widely disputed, like a lot of his sort of history and stories. But like a little bit of trivia focused on the sort of Celtic side of things. His name apparently comes from the uh, old Celtic word Artorigios. Or the old Welsh, Arthur, which is obviously very close to the thing. But both both of those in Old Celtic and in Old Welsh mean son of the bear or bear man. Which I thought. You know, I, my my mum was going to call me Arthfile, which means uh, bear prince. Oh. So I could have been Arthman's. <laughs> Arthfiles. Uh, the reincarnation of Arthur himself. Imagine going to school in Barry and being called Arthfile. I'd have been fucking battered. <laughs> you had enough fucking trouble saying it was Alin, not Alam. <laughs> Don't you dare dead name me on this. <laughs> dead name me. Very good. Arthfile. But yeah, so uh, yeah, that's a little tidbit. That's just for just anyone who likes etymology there. You know, fucking losers. Anyway. Um, so this episode, I'm just, yeah, I'm just going to go through a couple of Arthurian tales, give you a flavour of the guy and his exploits. Um, 
and we'll be basting these as usual with a nice little bit of a tangent and buffoonery, a little bounce, you know, you'll love it, it'll be great. So the first story I'm going to go with, uh, it seems like an obvious one, this is going to be how Arthur came to be in the first place, according to legend, so I'm going to talk about his birth and sort of the, the run-up of events to it. So anyone who's listened to a previous episode of ours called The Treason of the Long Knives, uh, they might recognise this name now, but the story begins not long after the Saxons Hengist and Horsa had conquered King Vortigern, aka Vigo Mortensen, uh, along with most of Britain. And Eldolf, you remember Eldolf? Eldolf. Eldolf. Uh, he, uh, for those who don't know, or those who've forgotten, he was the only man besides King Vortigern to survive the Saxon ambush on the treason of the Long Knives. So he, Eldol, had teamed up with a Romano-British, Ray Romano-British guy called Ambrosius Oriolanus, uh, who we mentioned earlier, and they managed to retake Britain. Britain now, as opposed to Britain. Uh, after some bloody battles, Ambrosius managed to push back the Saxons, and Eldol enacted his revenge on the coward king Vortigern by burning him alive, leaving Ambrosius to take the throne of Britain. While this gave them some reprieve, the country was still in a state of war with the Saxons, and Ambrosius relied heavily on his brother Uther to help lead his armies, along with the wizard Merlin to give him counsel and guidance. And I'm sure keen-eared listeners will know the name Merlin, of course. Little wizardy boy. After a string of battles, Ambrosius was taken ill, leaving Uther as the de facto leader. It wasn't long before an assassin, posing as a physician, would poison and kill Ambrosius, very much implied to be on Uther's orders. That very night, a comet passed in the night in the shape of a dragon's head. Merlin knew this as a sign of Ambrosius's death and informed Uther that he was now king. Uther succeeded in a string of battles against the Saxons and declared himself Uther Pendragon on his return. Pen meaning head in Welsh. Um, I actually looked up. You'd think it would be Pendrag, wouldn't you? Yeah. Or something like that in Welsh. But it wasn't. It's just it's like Pendragoon or something like that. I don't know if that's like an old Welsh thing or something. Like <laughs> fucking goon, yeah. Um, but anyway, so after his return from being the Saxons, he was officially crowned king and, yeah, dubbed himself Uther Pendragon. So to mark his success against the Saxons, Uther invited all the lords of the land to feast at his castle. One such lord, Duke Godelois of Cornwall, took advantage of his plus one and brought his absolutely banging wife, Eger, Egraine in the English version, but we're sticking to the Welsh. So Uther, he was a massive enthusiast with the babes, right? He loved a good babe, <laughs> so he decided he absolutely needed to bang this Eger girl, despite Duke Godelois being a massive help in the war against the Saxons. So Uther, I know, absolute bloody handsy motherfucker but Uther gets a bit drunk gets a bit handsy pushes things a bit too far and massively insults the Duke Godelice causing him and his wife to leave in a huff so back in the day I was reading about this in it back in the day it was a massive insult to whoever's lord uh, whoever lord's house you were in to just leave without uh, without leave without sort of uh, saying goodbye if you like yeah um, so Uther was furious about this. The relations between King Uther and Duke Godlois worsened to the point that Uther went to war with the Duke's forces in Cornwall. Uther had pushed the Duke back to Tintagel Castle, Godlois's impregnable fortress, and despite the King's experience in battle, he could not penetrate the Cornish Duke's defence. 
desperate, he rode to a mountain peak overlooking Tintagel to speak to Merlin. He begged him to help, basically guilting him by talking about all the bloodshed of Britons and whatnot, and how much he loves the Duke's wife, etc. But in reality, he just wanted to fucking get up to his nuts and Aegir's guts, essentially. Uh, <laughs> he's, he's a wrong one, mate. He's just he's thinking with his fucking willy, isn't he? Merlin agrees to help him anyway, on one condition, that he receive the next child sired from his and Aegir's union. So, as I said, thinking with his willy, Uther agrees. He just wants to, to bed this, this fitty Aegir. Merlin conjures a spell on Uther, making him look like the Duke Godlois, and summons a fog that blankets the ground between them and the castle Tintagel. Merlin advises that his horse will now be able to run across the fog directly to the castle's front gates. Uther rides across the mist and easily enters the castle. With the Duke busy with his war council, Uther goes to Aegir's bedchamber and has his rotten little way with her. Still looking like the Duke, he orders his men to open the gates, leading to the slaughter of Cornish forces as well as the real Duke Godlois. Aegir realises what's happened when the charm wears off and Uther returns to his normal, pervy appearance. I always I liked that bit of the story in that he was like, oh, look, ultimate victory for me and my boys or get my end away first. First things first, priorities. Prioritise. Prior- and then get the boys in to slaughter everyone. Anyway, nine minutes... Ooh, you gotta love that sound. Yeah. Anyway, nine months later, at this point, Uther has married Aegir. Uther has also inherited a stepdaughter from Aegir's previous marriage called Morgan. But he didn't really give a shit about her and was now way more excited at the prospect of an heir being born, potentially. So he could give birth to a healthy baby boy. Uther named him Arthur. Fucking get a bit more original, mate. Mm-hmm. Uh, and before any celebrations could be had, though, old Merlin turns up, reminds him of his oath. Uther is fuming, but knows better than to mess with fucking big dog Merlin, like top knob fucking wizard. So he hands over his son. Depressed by the loss of his heir, Uther begins to lose ground to the resurgent Saxon forces and becomes ill, although he still insists on leading his armies into battle. This is quite a cool fact, I thought you'd like this as well. Well, it's not fact, it's myth, but you know what I mean. <laughs> um, despite being dubbed the Sa- uh, by the Saxons as the half-dead king, he, e- he even manages to kill one of the Saxon leaders, Octa. Now, Octa was the son of Hengist, so for those who uh, either listened to the episode on Trees and the Long Knives... Or not, he basically was the son of the old Saxon leader uh, who orchestrated the um, the ambush on the trees and the long knives. So at a battle of Saint Al- at St. Albans, yeah, the half-dead king, Uther, kills the, the, the new Saxon leader. Uther would soon be killed himself, though, after Saxon troops poisoned drinking supplies at a feast celebrating the victory. So, yeah, that's basically Arthur's birth, if you birth, like, and how his yeah. father... Yeah, and how his um how his father kind of was a dirty little pervert. So is that the first tale? That's the first tale, baby. Yeah, I like, I like that. There was a uh, a connection to a previous app. We've got threads running through our pod. Exactly. That's why I picked it, mate. I was thinking, ooh, I saw the I saw the names like old Vigo Mortensen and Hengist yeah. turn up, and I was like, oh, this is, we've got a narrative on the go here. Do you want to hit us with the uh, the second tale? So this one, I I'm hoping you like this one. I thought you might. This isn't so much a tale, right? It's um, they're a bit shorter, and uh, this is like one of the earliest, earliest references of Arthur, uh, in those poems I was on about um before called the Godovin. 
Um, but I thought they were pretty cool, so I thought I'd share them. Uh, I'd share a few verses. Basically, it's really fucking long. There's like a hundred and... Oh, I'm not sure how much it was now. 103 verses. I just sort of very much briefly skimmed through them. Almost all of them are good, though. I, I have to say they're pretty fucking good. Yeah. Um, and what they are is... Just to give you a sort of background before I go into it. Um, these are... So they're a collection of basically odes to fallen warriors that died at the Battle of Catrife. Um, where they were slain fighting Angles around 600 AD. So while the contents of the poem are sort of considered mainly fiction, you know, they're, they're sort of making up names of potential warriors. Yeah, and embellishments. And it's, um, you know, not that it actually happened, but there's, um, it's meant to be a battle where a Celtic force of around 663 men, I say around, exactly that amount of, of men, led by a guy called Manethog Muinvaur, he was king of Godothim. Uh, he led these men against an angle force of a th- 10,000, according to the poem. So, Godothim, just FYI, was a kingdom in what was called Erhain Ogleth, back in the day, or Old North in English. Old North. It's basically where Edinburgh is today, it's around that area. Uh, the story goes that King Manethog selected 363 warriors from across the Britonic lands mainly from the Old North itself, but some were from as far as Gwynedd, Welsh boys representing, yeah. uh, and even uh, they well. even invited warriors from Pictland, which is modern-day kind of northeast Scotland, um, which was kind of not done back in those days because they were considered kind of like barbarians, if you like. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so he had a best warrior, 363 of the best warriors he could find. So the king of Godolvin allowed the 363 men to feast in his halls at Dunedin, a.k.a. Edinburgh, for a whole year before they began their march to the Angle stronghold of Catrife, which is Catterick in Welsh. It's uh, apparently in North Yorkshire, uh, by today's standards. I did think it was mad, like, going, oh, just drink and eat for a year, then we'll go to fight. Like, mate, I'm going to be so not on my best if you if you haven't me fucking scoffing and drinking for a year. It's not oh. going to happen your actual pick that maybe that's what acid seems to do you, you drink for a solid year and you become peak <laughs> yeah the fat just falls off you become an absolute <laughs> battle hardened <laughs> bastard so the Britonic forces were unfortunately soundly defeated with only one man Canon Ap Clidnor surviving but according to the poem many of the warriors died well and accomplished great feats before they fell what just going to back. Three hundred sixty-three versus, versus ten thousand, supposedly. Yeah, I mean, big odds. I mean, you're always going to lose. A bit stupid marching down for that, really. <laughs> yeah. but no wonder they kept staying there for a year. <laughs> I yeah, I'll tell you what, oh. one more week. Oh come on! It's it's a leap year though, isn't it? Last year, so that means we get an extra one this. Surely, <laughs> come on. So I'm just going to bang out basically a few that stood out to me as quite cool and badass. So I'm going to do the English translations uh, because there's mention of Arthur in it. Uh, it's one of the earliest <laughs> earliest mentions of Arthur in this. But we haven't. He hasn't been mentioned yet. He's gonna be mentioned. Not yet. yet no, I, okay, I will sorry. get to that. It, it's so so very slim the uh, connection. But I like this, and I thought you'd like it. So I thought, fuck it, I'll include it and use use the gift of the gab to try and you know pass the fucking so the board. So this is considered a real thing, or is it a? Uh, this apparently might be a real thing. It's debated, but it's probably uh, made up. Embellished, yeah. Yeah, embellished, certainly embellished, because I'm no doubt the Britons did fight the Angles, yeah. but yeah. yeah, it wouldn't have been okay. this. 
Um, so, yeah, like I said, the whole thing's 103 verses, and there's a few that stuck out that are pretty cool. Um, I'm going to read them in English. I'm not going to do the Welsh uh, just to save time. I highly recommend reading it because it's just like verses, 103 verses of badass soldiers, essentially. It's like, it's not almost every verse, but every verse or couple is about the deeds of the, like, ridiculously oh, cool. overpowered yes. soldiers. So it's quite cool. Listen to this now. I think, I think you'll like it. So this first verse is actually about a soldier named Owain, right? I try my best to get through this without stuttering too much. So man's metal, youth's years, courage for combat, swift, thick mane stallions beneath a fine stripling thighs, broad, lightweight buckler on a slim steed's crupper, glittering blue blades, gold-bordered garments. Never will there be bitterness between us. Rather, I make of you song that will praise you, the blood-soaked field before the marriage feast, foodstuff for crows before the burial, a dear comrade, Owain, vile, his cover of crows, ghastly to me that ground, slain, Marrow's only son. <laughs> Just the fart right at the end there, by the way. <laughs> Poor Owain. <laughs> Lamented. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so this next one, this is a bit more badass. This one's about a soldier named Blavig. Right. Savage in war, stubborn in distress. In a battle no truce would he make. The day of wrath he did not shun strife. A boar's rage had Blavig marbelly. He guzzled wine from bowls made of glass. The day of strife he performed a feat on a white stallion before he died. Crimson corpses he left behind him. I like that one I th- more. I thought that was pretty cool. That's just yeah. like, sure, yeah, you got it, it. Definitely for me, conjures up some fucking cool yeah. imagery, didn't it? Some guy be the last man standing. Yeah, exactly. Um, so the next one is just kind of a, a general description of the battle. Godothin's war band on shaggy mounts, steeds the hue of swans in full harness, fighting for Aidan's treasure and mead. On Munavaug's orders, shields were battered to bits, sword blades descended on pallid cheeks. They loved combat, broad line of attack. They bore no disgrace, men who stood firm. So another one about just being brave in the fucking... In the, yeah, brave lads, fucking brave lads. So this one, next one then, is a guy about a guy named Erthgal. A man went to Catrice at dawn. Ringed round him a rampart of shields. Sharp they pressed the attack, seized plunder, loud as thunder the crashing of shields. Ardent man, prudent man, champion. He ripped and he pierced with his spear points, deep in blood he butchered with blades. In the strife, heads under hard iron. In the court, his hewer bowed humbly. Great host would groan, facing Erskull. He sounds like a pretty badass guy. Yeah, I guess that's me. Yeah, that that would be you, mate. Yeah, that's uh, you're an absolute Erthgal of a boy. Ringed round him a rampart of shields. So go on now to the one that mentions Arthur. Uh, so he only mentions him sort of very loosely, uh, but it's actually about a warrior named Gwardir. He thrusts beyond three hundred, most bold. He cut down the centre and far wing. He proved worthy, leading noble men. He gave from his herd steeds for winter. He brought black crows to a fort wall, though he was no Arthur. He made his strength a refuge, the front line's bulwark, Gwaurthir. 
So basically, it's, it's this guy going, oh, you were pretty good, Gwaldi, but you're no fucking Arthur, mate. Which I thought was a bit of a slam, an unnecessary slam on the poor boy. What, uh, so, so, when, when's gets to the Arthur? Do you not hear me say Arthur? <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, I want more of him. Yeah, that that's it. <laughs> Sorry, oh. yeah. That's, that's <laughs> so, the only so reference. Does he, is he, does he die in it, in this version? Who, Arthur? Yeah. He's not bloody in it. You listen to these weird fucking uh, stanzas. <laughs> I think they're quite hard to follow. They are a bit. So, yeah. You said, they're, you said uh, basically... He, he basically they, they they reference this is the earliest reference or one of the earliest references to Arthur in oh, the same so like, although not... yeah although he's you know this Gwaldi is very very good and like he killed three hundred men or whatever yeah. he's he's no Arthur you know oh. Arthur is even better kind of thing yeah so yeah I thought it was a necessary slam like he you know put to bed fucking three hundred men and then yeah. going eh, no Arthur though you mate you'll never be Bit an Arthur you'll never be an Arthur. <laughs> So yeah, I'll leave it there. There's a lot of good ones though. If you if you're into that sort of shit, like I said, it's not the most linear of things to follow, but I quite liked it. And obviously you didn't, so I guess go. <laughs> it was hard. Off. It's hard to follow, I think, unless you're reading it. Maybe. Yeah, maybe. You know, you're telling me my fucking soignol voice is not uh, not doing uh, the job. It's, maybe it's because I'm tired. <laughs> and I can't it, be fucked. Yeah. No, I'm not sure. I, I'm sure it's perfect. <laughs> uh, yeah, absolute selling point. Um, all right, I'll go on to my last one, which actually does concern Arthur this time in a proper way. The last story I'm going to tell is the Battle of Camlan and the death of King Arthur. That's right, we've come full circle. I set it up, oh, I knocked right it down. There. We had the birth, we've had the death. Like I said, I could have done bloody Sword in the Stone or Lady of the Lake or <laughs> fucking Holy Grail or whatever, but everyone knows those stories, so I'm just going to do these ones. So, a bit of background. This battle was between King Arthur and Mordred, who had brought together a force of Britonic rebels against the king. Mordred was the nephew and son of King Arthur. So, to, to explain that a little bit, there's a few different versions. But basically, Morgan, Arthur's half-sister from before, if you remember. Uh, it's probably quite confusing, so I'll go through it anyway. I've written little notes to, to pad it out a bit. Uh, Arthur's dad was Uther, if you remember. Uther married Aegir, who already had a daughter from a previous marriage. That daughter was Morgan. Morgan grew up to be a witch and was also really resentful of Arthur for what his father had done to her and her mother. So it basically winds up that uh, Morgan uses magic to trick Arthur into shagging her so that she could sire a new heir to the throne. In other versions, they sex it up with like out knowing what they are to each other, and then in other ones, they, you know, there's different versions, but that's the one I'm gonna go with because I like the idea narratively to think that she's like a fucking sick pup that would do that as revenge. Arthur and Morgan shag, and nine months later, she gives birth to a son slash nephew called Mordred. Morgan taught Mordred to hate Arthur the same as she did, and they often conspired against King Arthur in his nights throughout their adventures. So flash forward and Mordred has gathered his rebel army against King Arthur and they meet on the battlefield at Camlan to talk terms. Both sides were evenly matched and no one would be able to call it in a fight between Arthur and Mordred, both being known as two of the best warriors of their age. While Arthur hoped to solve the issue with words, he orders his men to attack at the first sight of a drawn sword so they wouldn't be caught off guard. 
Arthur and Mordred agreed on terms that Mordred would be given the lands of Kent and Cornwall to rule while Arthur lived out his days. Once Arthur passed, the crown of Britain would pass to Mordred. Arthur believed that in time he could get through to his son slash nephew and help him along a better path. Before the two could shake hands, an adder appeared before one of Mordred's soldiers. Startled and fearing a poisoned bite, the soldier drew his sword in defence. Arthur's army, acting on their king's orders, drew their swords in kind and charged the rebel forces. A bloody battle ensued and after many had died, both forces stood and watched as their commanders battled for victory. The battle was arduous and brutal, but King Arthur would eventually land a killing blow on Mordred at the cost of a deep wound to his chest. While the King of Britain had won the day, his wound was too severe to recover from. Knowing he was at death's door, he ordered his men to carry him to Unis Avathon, the island of Avalon, the forging place of his sword Caledvul, aka Excalibur, where he died. The throne would pass to his cousin Castenin, or Constantine, who would face a long struggle against the freshly emboldened Saxons. So that's it. That's what I got. Oh. That's what I've given you on Arthur. He died. So do these charge because there was a, 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 a false flag of a snake? Well, basically... Well, not a false flag. Arthur, they saw them pull the sword out because the snake was there. They yeah, the because, snake. yeah. What's his name? Mordred's soldier saw a snake, yeah. didn't want to get poisoned, so pulled his sword to kill the snake. Unaware the, that Arthur's army yeah. were, uh, you know, instructed as soon as the sword's pulled to yeah. just fucking charge him. That's so classic. it was... Oh, it could have been done. It could have been done by words, but it didn't. History um, didn't have it in it. That sounds a bit like the battle in... Well, maybe it's not, but you know in Alexander the Great? Where they make... Oh, yeah. Or is it Troy? Where they have like, that fight at the start where it's just like general v. general instead of having everyone else like, come and die. Oh, yeah, that's it. It's like, that's it. They they sort of... All the, all the people like or are hell bent on killing each other just stop yeah. and f- watch the two like fucking big nebbies have a go at each other yeah oh, so he, but he didn't I, I'd rather he's like in The Last Kingdom or oh, what's done any spoilers but he, I sometimes like the hero to die a really dramatic death you know but being cut and off to where he's first thing that's quite peaceful and quite nice um, yeah he was nice I know what you mean though I like so, I prefer when they go out with like a blaze of glory you know so what year was that meant to be Oh, this was oh god! I did put write it down somewhere. And, but and is King Constantine? This was, king Constantine's a real king of Scotland. Uh, he was a real king of Scotland. This guy was a king of Cornwall. Um, and is he a real person? And was co- he was a co- yeah he was he was a real person. He was cousin of King Arthur supposedly, Castenin or Constantine. Um, I like it as well. Yeah, you, this when you find people's names like Morgan back in like fifteen hundred years ago. Morgan. Yeah, yeah. I always find that so fun. Also, yeah. no one's got any like creativity for naming their kids and like back in those days. Like, oh, my name's Uther. What are you gonna name your kid? Arthur. Yeah. My 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 name's Morgan. What are you gonna name your son? Mordred. <laughs> yeah. Oh, fucking Christ. It's too too many similar. Too too close. It's fucking so complicated. Um, yeah, it does make you know, like in in the Long Knives episode where it was like yeah. Vortigern, then it's like Hortigern, Belortigern, you know. So Jesus what, Christ, it's too much. So how much time has passed from the first story you told to the last one? Well, this is where things differ. So uh, one source said thrice seven years, uh, but not between the first story. Sorry, um, between when he got uh, Excalibur. So he's in his early twenties, I think it was when he got well by some sources, when he got Excalibur. Mm. Um, 
So he's apparently thrice seven years and that. What's that? 14 21. and uh, 21 years after that. So he'd be 40 something. Yeah, and when you, yeah. So I meant like the, the first story you told, does it give it a, a date for when that was? Well, the uh, it does say for the first one, I think it was 600 AD, I believe. Let me have a look. I did write it down. So, yeah, so 600 AD. Well, basically, the um, uh, the end bit I saw there about his death and the birth one, they're part of a um, like a series of stories by a guy, and I can't fucking remember his name now. I should have kept the bloody tabs open. He was a monk. He was a bloody monk. Um, and they're sort of like romanticised versions of yeah. certain things. And yeah, you know, these things go through so many iterations. Okay, for your, do you think he was real? As a fan. I think they were based on a real person. I reckon it was someone who did some shit hot stuff back in the day. Uh maybe like a shit hot warrior or something like that. Uh maybe even a leader who like united people, defeated big armies, and then sort of everything gets attributed to that one guy then, you know, because this like you said, if you're going off when he was first mentioned to like when he was last mentioned, they're like hundreds and hundreds of years. So there's not one guy who's yeah. spanned that entire you should Time do scale. another one where you talk about him and his knights. Yeah, there's. So I tell you what, his knights have got some of the more interesting stories. Where Arthur is kind of like a background character, like Cullach and Olwen, like from the mythology part two. I love that story, and he's like only a tidbit in that. And Merlin, Merlin was definitely from Wales, wasn't he? Well, yeah. He what was his name in Welsh? Now it's fucking um, Mervin, of course. Murvin, yeah. <laughs> You should Imagine. do another one rather than them, I think. Uh, it, well, there's so many stories with him and like the, the surrounding characters that we could easily do another episode with him. Yeah. Well, I, I feel rotten eggs, so let's. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> let's. Uh, do you have anything else to add to an old uh, Arthur? Arthur? No. Um, I think I'm all right. No, I think I've done my bit. We'll save it for the next one. It'll scissor real. Yeah. All right. Well, Dilton, Adam, Grand, all your little rat bags. And uh, follow our... T- oh, click the link in the bio to get to our socials, because then that would be very nice of you. Um, and drop us... A- oh, if you do a five-star review, we always appreciate that. Yeah, deal, ta-da, 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 ta-da.